welcome to Conversations About Life. Well, thanks, Kathy, for joining me on the podcast. So I appreciate that. And I'm looking forward to getting to know you. And your son was on the podcast. And I know he spoke of you. I don't remember exactly what struck my interest, except um, I do remember that you're a convert from Catholicism to being a Protestant. And that's kind of interesting to me. I have some Catholic friends I enjoy talking with. And um, we've talked some about the differences between that and that, you know, being a Catholic and being a Protestant. So that's an interesting topic to me. But also, um, was um, that what kind of led your family to Christianity? Or were you already, you guys were already kind of established in Christianity at the time? Uh, well, hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I am Kathy, and thank you for who I was ever listening. Um, I am a little nervous, because I don't, I, I'm not good at just like, coming up with an answer right off the top of my head. So can I pray first? Sure. <laughs> Do you care? Yeah. Uh, Father God, we just love you so much. And I just want to thank you for this opportunity. Um, I feel blessed and honored to be a guest on Will's show. And I just want to make sure that what is said gives you glory and that we have a wonderful time. And uh, who's ever listening is inspired. And I ask all of these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, now that we got all that out, out of the way. <laughs> yeah, I know. I just kind of skipped right over an introduction and everything. <laughs> so maybe we'll, let's go ahead and start with an introduction. Okay. And um, Well, my name is Kathy. Yeah. And um, I'm 54 and learning how to live a life as a grandma right now. I've uh, been married 30 years. I have four children, three boys and a girl. I always knew I was going to have a girl. I just didn't know I was going to have her 10 years after I had the three boys. <laughs> um, but she's keeping me young right now. Okay. Uh, we, you had mentioned that I had converted uh, away from the Catholic faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, that happened with, um, you know, honestly, around 2004, I saw Mel Gibson's Passion. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I walked out of that theater with the rest of the crowd in complete dead silence. Mm-hmm. And it was eerie, and I drove straight to a Christian bookstore and bought a Bible. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Um, I'd grown up knowing Jesus, mm-hmm. but I never realized exactly the impact of what he did as a human. Mm-hmm. And it, it really intrigued me. So I just started reading the Bible. And of course... I would say from 2004 to 2010, so six years of just trying to do it on my own, it was confusing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't belong to a church that did Sunday school. I didn't uh, follow friends that just spoke about Jesus. The ones that I knew spoke about Jesus were a little bit too off the top for me. They were um, putting hands on each other and healing and talking in gibberish languages and things like that. So it kind of scared me away of like trying to approach a Christianity kind of walk. I was very young in that. And I was also going through a really tough time in my marriage. Um, 
just trying to be a mom of three young boys, crazy boys. My husband traveled a lot. He was, Mm -hmm. uh, I just, I felt alone a lot. Um, But 2010. During that time, were you a part of a church at all? uh, I, I tried to take the boys to church. Uh, My husband was not really into going to church. Uh, I just tried to live life. Yeah. (laughs) It's hard. Sometimes if I I love to reflect, but sometimes it's hard to look back and think, oh, wow, gosh, I did do that. Or I did go through that. (laughs) Uh, I face these trials and and I think they're like the most horrible thing I'm ever going to go through in my life. And then I tend to just forget that they even happened. (laughs) Christ is good about that. He makes life really easy to handle. (laughs) Just get you ready for the next trial, right? Um, Where was I? (laughs) Um, So 2010... um, Yeah, in 2010, I met a group of women who were doing a Bible study. Mm -hmm. They were at the First Baptist Church in Festus, and they invited me. And it was a Beth Moore study, Mm -hmm. uh, which Beth Moore became someone who I I just was just really engrossed with. Like, I wanted to do every single study she Mm -hmm. ever wrote. And now, funny, in hindsight, uh, I see that she's doing some things that probably... I don't really agree with anymore. Um, but interesting enough, in 2010, I did a, a study on the book of James. And it was women who would meet weekly and go over their homework and watch a video. And I found out that Jesus had brothers. And I was like, what? <laughs> right. You know, he was born of a Virgin Mary, and that was it. <laughs> That's all I remember. So I started really digging into this book of James and that someone actually wrote that Jesus had a brother that he came and revisited after he died. So did you look into like the Catholic response for that? Well, I called my mom. Okay. You know, I'm like, mom, Jesus had brothers. No, no, he didn't. That's not the right James. You're not reading the right Bible. And I'm like, what? I'm not? And uh, I don't know. That That's... That's all, none of what I experienced there would really give God glory to talk about because I, I'm not here to diminish anything that my mother believes in. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just, it really intrigued me. It really, I really wanted to dig deeper and find out what the Bible really was all about and mm-hmm. where my relationship was and what my purpose was in all of it. And it's just, everything's kind of a blur since then because it's all I ever really want to talk about. I just want to keep learning. I, for two years, thought I needed to find the right church. I wanted to find Christ's church. I believed that there was, I grew up Catholic, and that was Christ's church. Mm -hmm. Uh, Peter founded it, and that's the church I was supposed to be in, and that was the only church that was the right church. Mm -hmm. And the more I read the Bible, the more I was like, well, this can't be right. Like, okay, I'm going to have the Holy Spirit tell me. Not my mom, not my dad, not an elder. You know, I'm going to figure it out because God's going to tell me. And I started researching and getting on the internet and reading everything I could about every single faith there was out there. I found a Baptist church in Festus that sang songs that moved me like I've never been moved before. And I love to sing. Hmm. And I, um, the music minister there 
believed in my voice and I was like, this is an odd feeling. Like I've never had anybody say that I am actually good mm -hmm. and I can do this. And he was providing me opportunities to sing solos and get involved in theater plays. And, and I was just overwhelmed. I'm like, well, maybe this is the right church. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So I started studying the Baptist faith, and that just set my parents, you know, just it just really crushed them that mm -hmm. I would have even considered questioning my faith, mm -hmm. right? When you, when you question the Catholic faith, you're questioning your faith in God. Mm -hmm. And it, I had a lot of guilt with that. Um, mm -hmm. But... Uh, I cantered Mass at 5.30 on Saturdays, and then I would go sing in the Baptist choir on Sundays. <laughs> so you were still involved in the Catholic Church during this time? Oh, yeah. Okay. There, was a, there was a guilt of just, you're not supposed to question your Catholic faith. And, um, yeah, I think it was probably 2012 that I found Oak Bridge Church because mm -hmm. my son was in middle school, my oldest boy, and I started getting, uh, becoming friends with more of the other women that belonged to the Baptist church in, in, in my town. And um, I found of a church group that was over the summer that I could send my son, and he, he would get on fire for Jesus is what I, I was told. And I thought, okay, I'm, I'm in for this. Let's give this a try. And I sent him, and he came home really fired up mm -hmm. and wanting to go to this church. And... We weren't going to church really anymore because I was questioning whether I was supposed to be Catholic or Baptist. And I was like, okay, my husband's not going to church. And I was learning more about being a Christian wife and how the husband is the leader of the family. And mm -hmm. I didn't have that. And just everything just felt wrong. Anything I did just felt wrong. So I just sat. And um, yeah, and when we would see my son being picked up and taken to church on a Sunday morning and we were at home. And I looked at my husband, I said, there is something wrong with this. <laughs> and so he decided to go with, we decided we're going to go, we're going to go check this church out. And it was in a, a movie theater. Oak Bridge? Yeah. Okay, because um, now they're in the old Ford dealership. Yeah, the old okay. Ford dealership. I didn't yeah. know that they it's were a grown. church before then. Okay. So they started out in the Christian bookstore Next to um, at the across from the other Ford dealership in South County on Lindbergh, there's a, okay. there's an old Christian bookstore, and they rented that out okay. um, on Sundays, and so that's where it started. It was just um, ten, ten family members started a church, okay, and it grew to where it got big enough to where they needed to rent out a theater on Sundays. So hmm. we found it when they were at the theater, but okay. they still had their youth nights and things at the Christian bookstore because mm -hmm. they just only had the theater on Sundays. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I went there and, and they had a um, reflection room where you could give yourself communion. And I thought, well, okay, this is not right. <laughs> so this, this doesn't fit. Because you need to have a blessed priest, you know, give you the host of the Holy Communion <laughs> for it to really be Christ, right? So that's what I grew up believing and that's what I thought was right. So then I started researching that and I thought, okay, everything's wrong. Like all these people are so lost. Like why? Why is it that I think I know what's right and I feel it, but I don't know how to explain it and I don't know how to say it. So to say it, it to a, like your to anyone, background. To, to my background, right, to right. my parents, to, right. you know, they, I don't know the verse, but it always says to be prepared to back your faith. There's a verse in the Bible that just says always be prepared. And 
Right. So I just thought I can't. I, I'm not prepared, so I need to just be quiet. I'm not. I don't. I don't know how to say it. I don't know how to communicate what the Holy Spirit is really telling me. What is right? And I think I saw it on a notebook when it said, "It's all about a relationship with Christ. It's not religion. It's a relationship." And I think that little slogan, when that was pretty popular, it hit me, and I was like, "Yeah, wow. I I got that. I got a relationship with Jesus." And I threw away all the religion. I thought, okay, I don't need religion. I got my Bible. I got my relationship. And I can just talk about life and what Christ is doing for me and love everybody that I see and be around. And and maybe they'll just see Christ through me and everything's going to be wonderful. And yeah, just, you know, then I started learning about serving others and being in a church and how Christ didn't make me to just serve to serve him alone I needed to get out there I needed to be a part of a community and so went back to Oak Bridge and that's where I still am today and serving and I found that the gifts that that God gave me I could use for others and that's children I love children I am in my element when I am with a child and I can be whoever I want to be, and that child is just going to light up, and I am going to love it. Because I do love to be the center of attention. So that's another <laughs> thing that I had to like, I had to pull away from the adults because it just didn't seem natural. It was, um, yeah, this is all about you. And like I said before, we clicked record. We were talking about my YouTube channel and how mm-hmm. I was really enjoying it, and I was really enjoying the attention, and then it, it became not about God anymore and about a purpose it became about me. Hmm. But with, when you're with a child, it's so different. And I can't explain it, but I love being around a child. And so I took that and I went with it to Oak Bridge and I am the storyteller. So I get to bring the Bible to life to a child, <laughs> to a preschooler. Oh, wow. And I get to do that every Sunday and it's the highlight of my whole week. <laughs> wow. So what was your background like? So you grew up in the Catholic Church, were you guys going to church like every week and really did oh, you go yeah. to Catholic school too? We I remember as a child in a in a blizzard back in the seventies and we lived a good couple of miles and we walked to church. Okay. <laughs> and we were the only family that walked in there. Oh wow. <laughs> with knee deep in snow <laughs> and we did not miss church. <laughs> okay. Did you go to Catholic school too? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you up until eighth grade. Okay. And then I realized I was I was really good at sports and I wanted to go to a school where there was going to be sports. So my parents were luckily okay. my brothers, I followed my brothers and we went to a public high school. So what did it mean to you? Like was Christianity meaningful and did you feel like you had a relationship with God? Growing up, no. I mean, I knew that I I knew the Our Father and I but I prayed the Hail Mary more. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew that when you were supposed to go to confession every week and tell the priest the bad things that you did during that week because your heart and your soul would be like dirty. But as soon as you went and told him the things and then he gave, he gave, he told you what to pray about, like you would become all white as paper again. <laughs> That's kind of how I grew up with my life. I thought, okay, you can't do anything too bad because, you know, when it's time to go say confession, you don't want to be able to have to tell him anything too bad that you did. I always I grew up a very guilt-ridden mm. child not to do mm. wrong. Wow. And did like the death of Jesus 
um, as far as like atoning sacrifice? Was that something you understood? No. And in fact, when I left the movie, The Passion, it dawned on me that a lot of that movie was the Stations of the Cross. Mm -hmm. And I thought, gosh, I've been doing this every year since I was a little girl. And none of it meant anything to me. Because it was so mundane and so chanted, and mm-hmm. I never accepted it. And that was a lot of part of my guilt, too, because when I did start telling my parents, like, I think I'm, I'm starting to question what, what church we're supposed to belong in, and my mom, she, good for her, threw it out there and says, well, church is only what you put into it, and maybe you're just not putting enough into it. Hmm. And so that's why there was a lot of, a lot of time where... I was trying to fully, fully be at Mass. Mm-hmm. And huh. it's beautiful. Mass is beautiful mm-hmm. when you really put yourself there and not just go through the words, go through the sit down, kneel, stand up, peace be with you. You know, our Father art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You know, just saying the words. So it became it, meaningful to it you. It really then. did. Okay. It truly did. But I just wasn't feeling that relationship I just felt guilt you're not supposed to eat before you go to communion you can't go to communion if you miss church that the week before you know you you have to go through all of your sacraments and I thought that why are we living all of these things when Christ already did all this for us it's like we're not even putting Christ in the center of it and yeah I just I I felt sorry for anyone who was Catholic and that's what pulled me away and I I kept hmm. thinking that the Catholics are like the Pharisees. They're good people. They know the law. They know the Bible. They know the Old Testament. But it's like the New Testament still hasn't come. Hmm. <laughs> they're still doing all these sacraments. And they're still, you know, living for something that they have to repent about. And So is your, your mom and dad still involved in Catholic? Very much so. Okay. Yeah. Is it seem to be like a meaningful thing to them? Like, do you guys talk about spiritual things? And uh, it ends up not giving God glory, so the conversation gets okay. muted very quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, which makes me sad. I mean, I do go home sometime and cry. Just recently, um, just last year, was driving in the car and was at my sister's house, and uh, my sister has a, a group of friends that she's been involved with since she was a little girl. And I noticed one of the girls weren't there, and I asked about her, and they said, oh, she found Jesus. <laughs> and I go, oh, good for her. And yeah, no, 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 she, she's like way out there. Hmm. And it immediately was like, so she's not friends with you anymore. And it made me so sad, and it made me also want to go find her. <laughs> uh, but I said that to my parents on the way home. I said, you know uh, my sister's friend, I said the person's name, you know, I, I'm trying really hard not to demean anyone that I would talk about because this is my story, not their story, right? Um, but I said something to my parents and, and, I, and my dad said, yeah, yeah, she's born again. And I said, well, I mean, that's wonderful. I said, that's, that's just, I thought that was just so beautiful and wonderful. And, and he goes, well, you know, these, these people who think they're born again, like, you know, and he kind of hit my mom on the arm and I go, dad, I go, I'm born again. And he just argued with me and that the Bible doesn't, you know, mean really what it's saying. And oh, I just, I just want to say, you know, for 
forgive them, Father, for they know not what they're saying. <laughs> and I got to just keep praying that sometime they're going to wake up and see that it, they don't have to have that. Hmm. I hope, anyway. So, um, when did, like, um, she spoke about guilt and stuff like that, and, like, being free of guilt seems like one of the most, it seems like the most wonderful thing. Like, if you, everything in life can just fall away and burn or whatever, but if you're right with God, I mean, that's all that matters. Everything, nothing else compares. And it seems like guilt is the thing that gets in the way of that. So, um, when, how did you discover, um, you know, being, getting free from the guilt? I think I, I found that, that shame and blame were Satan's biggest weapons with Mm -hmm. everything, arguing Mm -hmm. with your, your husband, Hmm. Yeah. you know, um, feeling bad because a friend didn't meet you or cancel on you or, you know, just all these things. It was just like, Wow. There's such a spiritual warfare going on here, and and everything's about that. And he's so mm-hmm. crafty. And yeah, I think I think I, we don't have a, a God that is about guilt or about shame or about blame. And if it's and if it is, then it's something you need to recheck yourself. You know, you need to lay down your head at night and say, you know, wow, I am sorry for what I did, and I'm sorry for how I acted. But I know that that's not something you put on me to carry into tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So, so does um, like Jesus's atoning sacrifice is that like helpful for you to not carry it into tomorrow? Like, is that something you bring into your thinking and make use of, or is it not so much? It's more like, well, God won't have me carry this, and He forgives. And like, is, are the two connected? I just, I truly, yeah, no, I truly believe that Christ took on my sin mm-hmm. and I I truly believe that I'm not the one to carry it anymore and I think it's amazing that we as humans we don't have the capacity to forget but God does and learning that was pretty cool because mm-hmm. he's always going to be the one to correct all of my mistakes because he already did and I'm going to keep making mistakes so and when did that come about, um, like, understanding the atonement? Like you, um, Just through my studies. Through just your through, studies. Yeah, okay. different. I, I, I can't not be in a study. So I'm, uh, when I get towards the end of a study, I get really sad because it's ending. So I always start researching out there. And I ask God, like, can you show me which one I'm supposed to do next? Like, what book is it out there that you want me to learn about? Or is there a purpose out there that I need to know and that's going to happen? Because I don't know, right? I mean, I, I don't know what tomorrow's going to happen. Everybody was like, what are you going to do this weekend? I'm like, oh, my goodness, I don't know what I'm going to do at 5 o'clock today. Because <laughs> something's probably going to happen. It's part, part of my problem is, is that I'm always waiting for something to happen, and I end up missing what I should have been doing. <laughs> but... um yeah, that's just. I think that's just always been my personality. Are you familiar with Bible Project? They have like a YouTube channel, and then they have I, a podcast. Yes, also. yes. Okay, yeah, they're um, like a different. It's like learning about the Bible. It's like the literary structure and stuff like that. Did they just put out a book? Like, there's a pink book and a. I just bought a book, and I think it was from the Bible Project, but it's it's called the Bible Study. Not that I know of. I don't okay. think so. That may be something different. 
but they um, talk about the literary structure and um, I don't know. It's like something um, like how the, how um, the original readers of the like Old Testament, for example, when they see themes and stuff, their minds would it was intended by the author that their minds would just start thinking about these other connections throughout the, the Bible. And, um, and it's just been something I've been enjoying lately. And it's, and it's not something that I, I hear talked about, you know, and, um, um, I think it's probably something that's commonly talked about and studied in seminaries and stuff, but not so much in the church, but it just kind of gives like, um, a richness to God's word or just helping to see that this is like literary art and that the message, um, you know, that comes forth, it's not, um, and, you know, it comes through in layers and multiple ways and stuff like that. Um, so, um, anyway, like, um, uh, um, like, uh, just trying to think of an example, um, like I guess like trees is an example how that's used like there's the tree um, of uh, life in the garden you know and then later um, you know Abraham um, he goes to the tree of Terabith or however you say it and then you know later Jesus um, well there's at the end of Revelations there's a tree of life that gives healing to the nation you know so there's like these themes yeah and and the different symbols yeah and when you see one you're supposed to kind of connect it with oh this is like you know there's a connection a literary connection but anyway i was just kind of curious because it's just been something that's interesting to me and you were talking about studying the bible and things like that. no i definitely will have to look into that i yeah beth moore was really good about bringing different things in the bible and and how they were connected i love she did a example one time I was studying how during the traveling of, of moving the Ark of Covenant across Jerusalem and how he designed the tribes of where they were to be stationed. Hmm. And from a bird's eye view, it made a cross. And so there literally was a cross going wow. through the you know, river of Jordan. And uh, because you had, you know, this many of uh, number of the, of the men in this tribe, and the same amount of number on this side, and then there was a number of tribes at the top, and then a, the biggest tribe was at the bottom. So it literally okay. formed. I mean, it was just things like that. Like she was able to be like, "Whoa, right. that's pretty clever." Right. <laughs> that's pretty neat too. Vision. So, right. and I'm a visual learner. So when I would read that, and then she would put that into that perspective for me, it really made me more intrigued and want to learn more. And right. You know, like the olive branch. How many times? Is an olive branch used as a symbol in different stories in the Bible? Oh no! Uh, in the Old Testament, and then Jesus is Jesus is our olive branch, and he speaks of it and brings out different scriptures. And it is it's fascinating how he's hmm. he's in Genesis and every book all the way through. Yeah, right. Jesus is there the whole time. <laughs> hmm. So. Um, so anyway, you have a background in YouTube, and you've been talking with people and, and stuff like that. 
And yeah, I've, the, I've met some really fascinating people, and I love that God gave us technology to meet people. I'm, I'm a, I love one-on-one conversations, but if you put me in a crowd, I tend to not feel like I'm important enough to say anything that's on my mind. And if I do, I feel like it's going to be something stupid that's not going to really go with whatever the group's talking about. So I get really anxious and nervous. And so I'm more introverted and I just like to stay home. But put me like here and like you haven't been able to shut me up. <laughs> I mean, I, I love to talk one-on-one. And so when I realized that I could sit in the privacy and the comfort of my own home, but also really connect with someone from another state and have a real conversation about (laughs) real important things, Mm -hmm. not politics, not, you know, weather, not just simple, just make up talk because you feel like you have to talk to this person, Mm -hmm. Uh, really getting to know them, what's making them tick inside just fascinated me. And I thought, wow, God, you can use me for a lot of things. Like I can be everybody's best friend and then not have to really worry about what they were doing tomorrow. <laughs> like I could just really, really connect with someone in the there and now, <laughs> and then let God use me somewhere else <laughs> and not yeah. have, you know, and just, just, it's just fascinating. So YouTube's been so fun for me. Anything yeah. in particular that you've learned through that experience or did you grow through the experience? I definitely did. Um, I mean, I would, I would search out and, and give the opportunity for someone to come and and talk and have the, I really wanted it to be like a therapy session for them. I wanted me, I wanted to make them feel so comfortable that my door was always open and they were always welcome to just come in and sit and chat with me. Mm -hmm. And I do believe that God used me for that. I had, um, a gentleman, talk about his child abuse that he'd never talked about before. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had women come and talk about abusive relationships they've been in. I had young you teenagers too. come and talk to me about being bullied at school. Yeah. And um, yeah, just really fascinating, mm-hmm. wonderful things that people experience in life and open up and talk to me about them. That's kind of interesting because when you hit the record button, Things just change a little bit for some people. It's like um, I know somebody who's just you know pretty quiet and reserved, but once we just started recording, it was like this was his opportunity. He had things that he just needed to share, and he did. <laughs> yeah, people want to be heard. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. People want to be heard. So. Um. So you know the. The whole thing about um, guilt and so forth, is that something that you ever uh, still have to fight against or struggle? Because I um, I think I do. I don't notice it, but um, I notice that sometimes I'm in a judgment type of mentality. Like I feel like this is I'm in an unfair situation and someone and God needs to judge between me and this other person. And um, I notice that that dissolves when I really feel um, like Jesus' righteousness rather than my own. Like when I think, um, well, I've been given to him, me, he's, he's given me his righteousness, so I can just lay mine aside because it's not as good. I'll take his instead. And then that takes me out of that courtroom mentality like hey there's this situation it needs to be figured out because I need to be shown that I'm right because I'm definitely right <laughs> and, and um, 
So I don't notice the guilt so much as I notice I got this courtroom mentality sometimes. And when I'm not thinking about my own righteousness, that just dissolves. So I guess it's kind of related to guilt. But somehow, I would like to be more in that state of it not being about me and my righteousness. It's like I've been forgiven. I've been given Jesus' righteousness. And I don't have to figure out anything between me and other people and stuff like that. So is there... I think that comes with age, too. Does it? Okay. I think so. I mean, I yes, certainly I feel guilty. Um, I mean, I think bad things, too. I mean, I'm human. But I've learned to... If, if I used to have such low self-esteem that I always felt like someone was talking about me or someone was worried about, you know... Um, how they were supposed to act around me. I always felt like I'm not approachable enough. Um, but that was all I just learned through just studying my relationship with Christ and my my identity in Christ. And it's just it's just them. And then I know I, I find that when I pray for them, that takes away anything that I was carrying away. So I really have learned to just pray for others. You know, and, and praying for myself, too. Mm-hmm. We're not supposed to feel guilty for things mm-hmm. like that. One thing with guilt, though, is, so I'm, I'm a person who loves to take the easy way out. I have learned, and this could be a bad thing, but I have learned that so much that you're not supposed to feel guilty that sometimes I think God's making me feel guilty, and then I push it aside and still take the easy way out. Hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, sometimes there's, a, there's sometimes, a time for it. Yeah, sometimes... The Holy Spirit's saying, "Yeah, you need to feel guilty about this. Right? <laughs> you need to you need to check yourself. <laughs> right? There's sometimes a need for repentance. Yes. And so it's not a time just to push that aside, but a time to, yes, you know, seek repentance. Definitely. Okay. Yeah, and repentance too goes along with. Um, I had somebody say, like, "Can you forgive me?" And I had to tell them, "I'm like, you're you're already forgiven." I said, "That's not on me. That's mm-hmm. you need to forgive yourself." And uh, I think when I learned that, I don't know when it was. But hmm. it's forgiveness is for the person, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have to hear I'm sorry anymore. I used to have to feel like, well, they owe me an apology. Mm-hmm. But now when you pray for them, you realize that you don't need that apology. But sometimes it's like, um, and I so- I'm sorry or something like that um, is a signal that there's been a change of heart. Like there's... Um, Whatever, you know, like however they are toward me in whatever negative way or something like that, they're saying, hey, I'm giving that up. So that is kind of helpful as a signal like, okay, um, there's something's changed or something like that maybe you think? Yeah, and I definitely think it, it opens up having a relationship with that person because sometimes you can either not say you're sorry and just not have a relationship with that person. Mm -hmm. But if it is someone that you want the relationship with, then I think an apology is very necessary. And Mm -hmm. I think it's important for the two people to, to allow that to happen, to to allow that exchange to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's, it just depends on who the relationship is. And I have to do that too. I have to ask God, like, what's my purpose with this person? Is this something that I'm supposed to let go? Or is this something that I'm supposed to stay connected with and fix and, hmm. and let you help me fix it? Mm-hmm. 
but there's times where you don't need to hear the sir I'm sorry because they've been forgiven and um, it's just that they need to accept that mm-hmm. and and stuff and and it's not not like you're holding anything against them that oh, has yeah. to be released yeah. or anything right okay um, you're mentioning kind of self-focus like the way people might think about you and stuff like that so that's something that um, yeah I wonder how common that is because sometimes um, I feel like I'm thinking that other people are maybe thinking about me but if I think um, in a more reasonable way I I realize well that's not true (laughs) that nobody that people are basically thinking about themselves mainly I think (laughs) I think that's definitely a good attitude to have and that's kind of freeing because Uh it's like well if other people are not focused on me then I can forget about me too (laughs) and and I can just enjoy something better which is mainly you know God and his creation and what he gives and so forth yeah and for, and for like I have a teenage daughter, she's fourteen, and and if I can instill that in her at this age, because women, I think personally, <laughs> I guess because I am one, I have it a lot harder when it comes to who's thinking about me, what do I, you know, the whole the outer image. Right. I think it's a big struggle. For, I can see that for yeah. women to you know. Women don't get dressed up for guys. They get dressed up for each other <laughs> because hmm. they're going to be compared. Mm-hmm. We're comparing each other more than we are. I mean, the men don't care, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, I can see how it must be. There's an additional challenge for women because um, appearance is so um, put out there. It's like so important. And um, yeah, like I... I go to the gym, and I enjoy the gym. But, oh, I hate the gym. <laughs> but I see everybody, and I just wonder, is this like the temple of like self, <laughs> trying to make ourselves something so that we're approved by other people or something like that? Maybe. I mean, I hate the gym because I do, I do worry about what I'm looking like and what I'm doing there, but I also feel like it's, it's a waste of time. I, I just, I hate the gym. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I like it. I've met people. I meet people Michael in the sauna. Michael does, too. Michael. Yeah. He's the one that's like, join a gym, Mom. Join a gym. I'm like, <laughs> okay, fine. I will. You know, I just canceled my gym membership. So, I'm, like, a waste of time. Um, do you, is it, like, fitness routine a waste of time or just, like, that no, particular I way? I, I think just driving there, okay. going there, having to smile and talk to everyone that you see and... You know, wiping down the equipment after you put, you know, use it and waiting your turn. And oh, it's just all a waste of time. It's like, just go out and go for a walk. Yeah. (laughs) It's free. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So praying for people helps you as far as your attitude toward them. Yes. And like praying for them. Like for their repentance or or praying? Probably sometimes, (laughs) if I'm honest. Yeah. Or, or what's that like for you? Like, how do you pray for people? I, I, you know, I don't know when I'm not talking to God, and I am so grateful that He's just always there and accessible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's it. It's just a, it's He's, you know, growing up like for, in a child's eye, I could say He's He's that invisible friend. You know, He's just mm-hmm. He's always right there with you, and uh, just praying for them and just saying, God, you know. Um, yeah, sometimes it's help them be nicer to me. <laughs> help them see that I'm not doing anything intentionally to hurt them or, or bother them. Mm-hmm. 
you know, open their mind to, to see my heart the way you see my heart. I know I'm a good person and I know I'm doing something to, to love them. Um, and then usually it's helped me just move on if that, that's not something that I have a purpose of being around. In the relationship yeah. that needs to be fixed and so forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, it's kind of hard to respond to bitterness. You know, like it's something that when we carry it, resentment, we know it's not good for us. Like especially if there's rumination and stuff like that, where we're replaying things in our mind. Um, so maybe like this is a helpful thing to keep in mind, like pray for them. It's a better route than just thinking about what they said or what they did or their attitude and so forth, you know? Yeah. It's something too that I've learned is um, the words, I'll pray for you, don't mean anything really anymore. I usually, when I, instead of saying, I'll pray for you, I always say, can I pray for you right <laughs> now? Like I do it there. <laughs> like you don't, I always feel like some, once you've given something to God, you don't have to keep giving it to him. You just have to trust that there's going to be some time in between here and he is going to do something with it and you just have to trust. So, um, yeah, a lot of times, you know, people will say, well, I'll pray for you. And then they don't. Mm -hmm. And I I know I won't. If I say I'm going to do something, I better do it right now. (laughs) Right. Unless I put it on my calendar. A lot of times, like if I know a friend's having surgery, I'll say, when are you having surgery? And I'll put that on my calendar and then I'll say, I'll pray for you. Right. You know, I have to have that reminder, but usually it's, I got to do it right then and there. Cause I feel like that's the Holy Spirit saying, it's time. Talk to me and give it to me. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't just say you're going to do it and then just forget later and not do it. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't say you're going to do something just to make someone feel better. Go ahead and make them feel better. Let God make them feel better. Right. Um, now you mentioned compassion in the reflection room, I mean, not compassion, um, Communion in the reflection room. So what are your thoughts about that? Like, do you practice communion by yourself? I do. Okay. I, um, it doesn't have to be a little piece of white bread. For me, it's just taking the time and honoring God and sitting with Him and, and letting Him know that you really appreciate what He did for you by giving up His body and His blood. And I believe that that's communion. I don't think communion has to be that you eat a piece of bread and you drink a little wine that was blessed by a priest or a little thing of grape juice. I believe this is communion, what we're doing right now. We're, we're honoring God and giving Him glory and talking about Him. <laughs> I think that's communion, being in communion with the Holy Spirit. Okay. What about like, um, well, there was the practice of like the... Um, Lord's Supper, or Passover meal that Jesus said, you know, as often as you do this and mm-hmm. so forth. So um, do you see that as like an important part of church life or Christian life and so forth? Um, I just, I believe that it's, it's important to understand what Jesus was doing as a man, mm-hmm. as a fellowship with, you know, when we fellowship, we always fellowship around food. Yeah. I mean, that's it's just a given. Mm-hmm. And it's no different when he was there. And I believe he just used that, you know, example. He's like, hey, take the spread, okay? I'm going to give up my body. They were like, they didn't get it then. Mm-hmm. But he said, you know, do this. Do this. Do this fellowshipping. Do this communion. Do this in memory of me. Be and love one another and be together. And that's what I feel like communion is. Okay. Keep it simple. Yeah. 
So it's not so much about the, the elements. Practice. It's not. Yeah, I don't. I don't believe that it's a practice that you have to do. And you know, it's. I think that that's that's a guilt for me. That's like, no, I don't have to do it this particular way. I don't have to sit and you take this piece of bread and I'll take this piece of bread and we're going to put it in our mouth after we say the right words. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah, I don't. But it's but more of a, a time to remember what mm-hmm, Jesus yeah. did. And uh, yeah, so for you, it could be just sitting quietly and it's just more of a mental remembering and just pausing to do that, I guess. Huh? Yeah. Okay. You know, what gives you confidence in the Christian faith? Um, you seem like filled with confidence. Is there anything in particular or is it not really nothing? That's all God. Okay. I don't really think I'm very confident. <laughs> so if okay. I seem it, it's, that's, thank you, God. Yeah. I think I can't, that, I don't think that can be explained. I don't think faith can be explained. I think it's just something right. you feel. Right. I think so too. It's like, um, there's, there's reasons I'm, I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for that our faith is like rooted in history, that they're like a historian can like say, well, it's reasonable from a historical perspective to believe that this man Jesus lived yeah. and died. And there's even historical reasons to believe that um, those first, that first, they really believed that Jesus rose from the dead, you know. Um, yeah. But um, the there, faith... The symbols, though, I mean, there's like, here, this necklace I'm wearing, it's mm-hmm. purpose. So in 2017, I fell into this concept of one word that you focus on for the whole year. Okay, yeah. And I, I decided to have it engraved on a bar necklace every year. So okay. this year, my word's purpose. Uh-huh. I usually try to give it a verse. It's from Philippians 2.13, maybe. It's... And uh, so that helps me, that helps gives me confidence. So my word gives me confidence. So, and usually if, I, if I'm feeling unconfident or I'm feeling like I don't know where I'm doing or what I'm supposed to do, I usually grab my heart and that's when I talk to God. So that's why I like the necklace because I'm like, I feel the necklace and I'm like, okay, yeah, <laughs> okay, I know, I have a purpose. So, um, and what's, what's the purpose? So the verse says, for it is God who works in you. According to your will and act to fulfill his good purpose. So in everything that I do, when I wake up in the morning, he's going to give me a purpose. It doesn't matter if I know what it is, but it matters if he's using me to do it. (laughs) So that's what I tell myself. And I think that gives me confidence. Hmm. There's a reason that I'm awake today. Mm -hmm. Might be just to pack my daughter's lunch and get her off to school happy. (laughs) That might be my purpose. Right. Um. So, yeah, there's uh, some people wrote a book that I read about one word, just having one word, like, you mm-hmm. know, instead of these goals and mission statements, and all, just have one it's word. It's probably the, the, the same thing. Yeah. yeah. It is, it's called one word concept. Okay. Yeah, I've been doing it since 2017. My very first word was embrace because I was going through the change of wrinkling and, and trying to accept my body with all the roles that come with it. And it just, I was going to embrace everything. I was going to embrace change. I was going to embrace my beauty, my age, my purpose in life with my children now. And I was retiring. I wasn't going to be teaching preschool anymore. And there was just so many things. So I used that word every day and that got me through some of my confidence too. Yeah. Just embrace it. 
embrace whatever the day brings. Yeah. And that was good. And I've had, I had a couple of years ago, I ha- I've had shine. I was in church one day and usually around December, I start thinking about, okay, what's your word going to be for next year? And like, did you give your word justice this year? Like, what have you done? And it's so fun to reflect. And that's the hmm. good thing. Like I, it's not a new year's resolution. It's not mm-hmm. a goal, but it is, gives you time to reflect and think about, but, um, it was the verse on letting your light shine. Don't put a lamppost over mm-hmm. your light. And uh, he had said shine. And I was like, shine, that's my word. I'm going to yeah. focus on shine the whole year. Yeah. And I've had bold, be more bold, being able to talk about Jesus with people and not, yeah. not shy away. And so I focused a whole year on the word bold. And I think last year was laugh. And it was reading the Bible one day and the Proverbs uh, about a woman who is not afraid of her future, and she laughs at oh yeah, what's to come, and so laugh. That was my word all last year. Cool. So. I bet that was a fun word. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was. Although last year was really hard. I cried a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I think in hindsight, I did cry a lot last year. I had a rough year last year. <sighs> um. Yeah, I know. Uh, like, uh, was it your dad who died last year? My no, my husband's father just passed away. I see. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um. So I I did that once. I think my first word that first year was um, humility, mm, and it was a, a very one. it was a very humbling year. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, see how that works. I thought you know if I do this again, I'm going to choose a different word mm-hmm. because it was um, it was like I was humbled uh, through different events and things that were just caused things to kind of fall apart and stuff like yeah. that. But I like the idea of it. I can see the, yeah. the value. It, that's one thing that stuck with me, and not a lot of things stick with me. I tend to start a lot and quit a lot and start new things. And, yeah, I do too. But for some reason, that this this little concepts. Right. I like the idea of the bar and the necklace. I don't guess I could really do yeah. that and get away with it. But I mean, you could do a wristband, yeah. you know, rubber get wristband. Tattoo on my wrist, on my hand or something. Well, you know how those rubber wristbands right. are so popular. Oh, yeah, the rubber wristbands. Get one with the word on it. Right. <laughs> wow, that's cool. I'm going to write this down. It, you know, it's neat because when you have something like that, like somebody will say, like, Why, what's that necklace for? And mm-hmm. then I feel like it's something I could talk about. So Right. Storytelling is cool because stories are so powerful. In fact, one of my early memories was in early um, school, and um, we were all brought into the library library at school, and we all sat in those little chairs, and the librarian um, or a teacher, someone got a book out and sat down in front of us and just started opening it up and reading, and you know, I was just captivated. And it's mm-hmm. something about how a story can do that if someone can tell the story. And um, and God communicates to us in stories. It's like, and the things that captivate us the most, movies and stuff, are stories, um, songs, you know, they're like a sketch of a story or something yeah. like that. Um, now I'm I'm not like a, a storyteller for some reason. When I'm telling a story, I feel like I'm pretty boring. <laughs> um, but it seems like just a really valuable thing. I've even heard people say, like, if you're doing like even a business presentation or something, it's going to be much more effective if you can put it into some kind of a story form. Yeah. Have you seen the story, the Bible? Written as a story. It's, no. It's called The Story. Okay. And it's the entire Bible written in story version. Okay. Yeah, it's wow. a neat book. Um, 
Yeah, when I was a kid, my dad worked for Lagori up, up the road here. You got oh, yeah. Lagori Road. Right. He, he worked there, and um, they had a book series called The Purple Puzzle Tree. Okay. And it was, I'm dating myself, but back in the day when you had a book and a record. Okay. <laughs> and so the record player, the author, Norman Freeman, not Norman Freeman, <laughs> Norman Hartfeld, I think his name was, he narrated the books, and they were all 66 books of the uh of the Bible, all the stories from Old Testament to New Testament. Hmm. And I would lay on my living room carpet with that 38 record player hmm. and listen to those stories over and over. And they're on my YouTube channel. So okay. I, um, I found the books a few years back, and I couldn't find the record, and I didn't have a record player anymore. So I contacted the author, and I said, can I bring these back to life? Like, can I? Hmm. And... Uh, Someone, I, I write a blog too, and I'm not real good about doing that. I was back in 2012 when I was really on fire and <laughs> telling my story. And, um, but I wrote about my purple puzzle tree experience, and someone found it and said, Hey, this is something in my childhood. Like, I, I have these, and I want to share these with you. And so he sent me the digital <laughs> voice records of the original author. And so I needed his permission to, you know copy those onto the channel and so I have his voice and then on the ones that were too scratchy or whatever I put my own voice into them okay. but um, yeah there it's a whole series I spent a long time like re putting those out there so that little kids could mm-hmm. enjoy them the way I did when you share a story are you just kind of reading word for word oh or? yeah that, well sort of okay um, I mean my favorite stories to storyteller are the bible stories so I mean they're not, I've never written my own story okay um I'm more of a read aloud. <laughs> okay, right. Bring in the right voices and right. and bring the story to life. Do you do that with your grandchildren? Oh, yeah, yeah. definitely. That's neat. Yeah. There's a few stories on my channel where I, I did personal books to them, and hopefully I still will. I continue okay, to I see. Like you're to reading them. to them, but you're mm-hmm. putting it on YouTube so other people can enjoy it too. They, yeah. Right. Yeah. Cool. That started out, I, well, I, I had my own preschool business. Uh, for 12 years but story time was the 10 minutes of the curriculum where they would come and sit on the rug and we Mm -hmm. would read a story and they always wanted me to read it again you know a kid wants to hear the book five Mm -hmm. times and so I started recording them and be like okay I know you really like the story I'm going to record it so and I'll send it to your parents and then you can listen to it at home Mm -hmm. and so I did that with a few books and they went viral the word viral back in Mm -hmm. 2010 my oldest boy comes home and he's like mom your video has a hundred thousand views on it and i'm like really cool <laughs> what's that mean now do you have to have permission to to read a book i've had other people ask me that but i've never had like strikes against me or that it's copyright or anything because i okay. always give the author credit right so okay. i don't say you know this is my story and i wrote it and i'm just reading it out loud for others to enjoy When my own kids were growing up, we read a lot of stories, and especially the Chronicles of Narnia. Oh, yeah, I've read those in car trips. My boys love those stories. Whenever one of my kids were old enough that they could just barely start comprehending it, it, we would get alone, just me and the the Mm -hmm. child, so it would be all quiet, and they they would just be sitting next to me, and I would start reading that to them. It was a really special time, because when another child would come along, old enough then I'd reread them and I mm-hmm. got something out of it every time I read through them yeah now with my grandchildren though they don't it just seems different like they're not as interested in stories um, I'm not sure why um, how old are they 
Well, um, one grandchild that I've been trying to read to lately, she's um, she's two. Okay. So she's young still. So you just have to narrate what's on the picture. Okay. <laughs> so if the story huh. if the story has three sentences on the page, yeah, you just say what the picture says. Okay. <laughs> and then turn the page. <laughs> I see. All a two year old wants to do is see those pages turn. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good tip. I appreciate so, that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And then they'll, they'll get the gist of what the story was about because the pictures tell the story. Right. So. Yeah. Um, well, you mentioned love. I'm just kind of going through words that I heard you Aww, <laughs> say. That's, um, that's cool. At some point about loving people. Um, we could talk about the love languages. Are you f- the you're five familiar lo- with the five love languages? I am familiar with those. Um, I'm not... I guess what I'd like to know is like um, love for people or feeling God's love. Does that just come naturally? Do you have to um, do certain things help you? Um, for example, like when I think of love, I think, well, there's like a flow here. It's not, you know, I'm wanting to receive God's love and trust him for his love and um, enjoy that. And then I'm also wanting love to flow from me to yeah. others um and um i don't know um for me um you know we're supposed to do all that we do in love and if i think about like well why am i doing what i'm doing as a father why am i working and stuff like that well it's because of love you know when you go way back to the the root of it but the way it feels day by day is more like just solving problems, trying to get this done, trying to do this, um, trying to figure things out. It doesn't feel like love. It just feels like a to-do list. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any um, thoughts about um, just kind of doing things in love or um, enjoying that more and stuff like that? I think, yeah, I do, I do think that it may be natural for me. I I love making other people feel good. <laughs> I do. I get hurt, though, when, you know, I used to think, well, they're supposed to do that back to me. And I think through my age, I've learned that, you know, just because I love someone else in a language that I think is going to be so loving, it doesn't mean that they're going to return it. Somebody else is going to do it. Mm -hmm. So. Okay. So it's just kind of a natural thing. You're like. I think so. My parents probably instilled that in me. Right. I'll give them credit. Okay. <laughs> okay. And um, I can see how that would be rewarding to, you know, have that focus on the other person and what they're experiencing and to care about that, you know. Yeah. Okay. It's a good way to lay your head down at night. <laughs> After having a day of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and just... I mean, I, I, love, I love to talk to God at night and in the morning because in the morning I don't know what's going to happen, mm-hmm. but at night I, I, just get to, I just get to sit and talk about him, like, what happened, you know. Do you talk out loud or is it more of just thoughts in your head? or Probably both. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I probably talk out loud so Satan can hear me too. <laughs> <laughs> Got to scare him away every once in a while, you know. So, um, or maybe I talk out loud so my husband can hear me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe I'm not kidding. <laughs> so 
I guess um, a lot of the things I just get in, you know, I was going to ask you about, I just kind of, from talking with you, already get the impression of like what it is, like I was going to ask you about what do you find satisfying in, in life? But um, anyway, you're talking about your life and it sounds like I get in kind of a general impression of what yeah. you find I'm really lucky though. Life's definitely been easy for me I uh sometimes I wish I had this testimony that was like oh you know I was abused as a child and I overcame it and now I you know I go and write books about helping others being abused you know like I, I always feel like that's like so impactful like nothing's terrible happened to me what happened last year that made it a rough year <clears throat> uh, I mean that well and so getting to that it's I realize I'm like, well, what, you know what? I have had, I've had some pretty tough breaks in life. And I think that my testimony is to say that Jesus made it easier to get through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so last year, Chris and I had some rough spots in our marriage and we needed some counseling and mm-hmm. it was good. We, we got to grow in our marriage. We've been in counseling three times over the 30 years and I highly recommend, I think that every single couple is going to hit those times where they need to recognize they need help. Mm-hmm. So I'm really grateful that I have a husband that's willing to do that. So, mm-hmm. Well, that's good that that was helpful. And Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think COVID was hard for a lot of people. That was just a hard year of just... Right. It affected a lot of people more so, like they were taken maybe out of their workplace and right. isolated at home. Yeah. I've worked at home since like ninety early nineties or so. So yeah, it didn't change my husband things. and son worked together and were in home, and yeah, so that was rough. I think it was a rough year. Yeah, may have been the reason why Michael moved away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think he was just. From I get the impression just wanting to try moving away from home for a while. Like my, I got a, a 21 year old son who lives in the house, and right now he has no reason to move. But he he wants he wants to buy a house just because he wants to buy a house. You know, yeah. it's a tough time to buy a house. Though. I had to really let Michael go because yeah, all my kids are supposed to have a house in my backyard <laughs> and my grandkids. Yeah, I'm like that's 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 I don't know why they didn't get that memo. <laughs> yeah, but. Have any routines that are meaningful to you? You already told us about some things like prayer and stuff like anything else that's just a part of your day-by-day experience or weekly that, you know, I wish I had more hobbies. Um, And one of the reasons why I picked out purpose for my word this year is because everybody's getting older and they're not needing me anymore. So I tend to feel like, well, what am I supposed to do? Because I don't take on hobbies or I don't do things because I want to be that on-call person. I want to be, anytime my children or my husband need me, I'm there. And so if I'm busy doing something else, I don't want to have to say no to them. So I tend to just focus my whole life on serving them. And then I got to a stage where, okay, my 14-year-old, she don't really want me around. I mean, that's pretty normal. Michael moved away. (laughs) My Second boy lives in Cape Girardeau, so he's an hour and a half away. I'm like, they're going to need me like, hey, can you come over for five minutes? And then my oldest boy has two grandsons, and they lived in Park Hills all last year. And so everybody was away, and I was just like, what am I supposed to do? 
just sit here. Michael and Chris are working in the house. I can't watch TV. They're working. And I just, it was, I just struggled because I was like, I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't have any hobbies. (laughs) And I think that, uh, so my routine is just waking up and knowing that there's somebody out there that's going to need me to do something. So. Uh Uh-huh. You mean, and now it's kind of more and more outside of your family? Is that what you mean? Yeah. I mean, well, I I work. I am a kindergarten aide. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I get up and work until afternoon time. And then I pick up my daughter from school and transport her to her sports. And and then I come home and try to make dinner. I really hate cooking. Oh, do you? (laughs) Really, really hate it. But I cook every day. Yeah. And make them something that they can eat. And then... Yeah, and then I just go back in my own little world and read or watch TV or something. So yeah, so your um, your life was like wrapped up into your yeah a family. And it still like is. Thank God family. I have grandchildren. Yeah, <laughs> are they nearby? Yes. So okay. my um, my father in law recently passed away, and my son and his wife and kids are living in his home. So they're five minutes away. Okay. <laughs> so, but Matt and Leslie, they live in. Cape Girardeau, so I don't get to see Ellie, but I have Wednesdays with Ellie, so I just commit to Wednesdays visiting Ellie and spending time with her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what has changed you in your life? Like, you know, sometimes there's influences or people or books or some kind of event that's really takes, causes you to take a turn in your life. You mentioned the Passion movie that seemed like there was like a, a turn at that Anything else, yeah. um, like what tends to grow you or change you or, you know, uh, really affect your life and, or has, you know? That's a, that's a tough question to answer. Yeah. I mean, I, I love that I love children. Yeah. Because there's always a new child that I can try to focus and make a difference in. I mean, being a kindergarten teacher, we have 24 students in our class. And so every day I ask God, like, who is it today? Who, who, can, I, <laughs> who can I have a relationship with and, and make a difference in their life? And I mean, that's just a wonderful thing. Because then, then you see kids three years in the future and, you know, and that you that you talked and then they remember you and they remember something about you and that that is so important to me it's really important to me they're so sweet at that age they too are, yeah. <laughs> it's like later fourth fifth grade that's kind of a rougher age I think. yeah oh middle school i mean i said something on the way here to my daughter for school and she goes oh cringe <laughs> you know a preschooler would never tell me oh cringe don't yeah. say that <laughs> right they don't even care what I say as long as I'm really bubbly and my eyes are wide open and I'm smiling at them. <laughs> they could care less what I'm saying. Yeah. What's the future look like? Any? Well, you're looking for a hobby. Yeah. Um, anything else? What are you aiming at? You know, in your life now. Anything else? Or my future is my husband to retire. Okay. Don't know what that will instill, but he wants to live on a lake. Oh yeah, okay. I can't see that happening, but you know. So you like I don't, fishing? I don't really know. No. Boating? And no, okay. we don't okay. <laughs> We don't fish. <laughs> All I see is mosquitoes and snakes, so I don't. That just doesn't suit me. Um, no, my future is to um, make a big difference in my grandkids' life. Yeah, I just I want to be the grandma that they come over and they have sleepovers and 
they know that I'm going to always be there for them. Yeah. Hopefully teach them about Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Well, before we go, I'll let pe- you give people your information, like your blog and stuff. But anything, any other topics you want to bring up to talk about before um, we just wrap up with that then? No, I, I've really enjoyed this. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity and... You're welcome. I enjoyed yeah. it too, and it's just really. Yeah. Not, it's I think been it's enjoyable. amazing that you're doing this because it's it gives people the opportunity, like I said earlier, to be heard. Well, thanks. It's a little bit um, selfish. Um, like I'm asking things I really want to know about. You know, I'm just um, focused on my own interest. Whereas I think um, in a th- you mentioned therapy or something. That's more of um, asking questions just to allow people to you know, express and get things, you know, it's, sure. it's got a different purpose in mind, but it's still, I think I have noticed for some people that, um, it seems to be a good thing. They appreciate being able to share about yeah. what's going on in their life and stuff. But, um, so anyway, if people want to follow you, where would they go as far as blog, YouTube or anything else? Uh, well, my reading channel, if they have little ones, it's called reading is fun. Okay. It's all no spaces uh, on YouTube, and um, I, I don't know. I'm pretty personal on Facebook. I mean, my YouTube channel is uh, what's the name of it? About Kathy, okay. no spaces. Okay. I think that's I think that's what it's, what the URL is. And you said you had a problem of it being all about you. Yeah. <laughs> the title yeah. is about Kathy. I know. Yeah. It, it's my, I document my life. I've been doing this in 2010. Okay. And this is also so, the one where you talk with other people. I did. Too. I have okay. a playlist on that channel called Real Talk. And yeah. there are um, individuals that I live stream with and had interviews with about uh, okay. certain topics. Yeah. And now, they range from bullying to caring for an elderly with dementia um, authors and writers. Um, okay. Child abuse. Okay. Yeah. And then the, the blog, or was that something you don't really keep up with? I haven't. I okay. haven't written in my blog in since I think 2014, maybe 2017. I think I decided to sit down and write. Okay. But it's, I think that's called Kathy Hawkins' blog. I think, <laughs> I think okay. that's what it's called. On my YouTube channel are all my links. Like you can find both my channels, Twitter, all that stuff. Okay. I like social media. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thanks, Kathy. It's been really good to talk with you. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Mm